this is Jennifer Van Damsel, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today we have the sinners of comics, the guy who doesn't clean the Cheeto dust off his fingers, CBS. I just read with them. It's all part of the pages. It's good. And the guy who dog ears his comics, Rob. Yeah, I, I stop a lot and I just fold the page. It's freaking ridiculous. I just, I just bend it. Collector value be damned. It's freaking terrible. <laughs> ah, all right. Well, uh, welcome to Top Five Comics Podcast. I assure you, those things are not true. The last time I saw Rob actually fold something was when he made the bed. And that was a long time ago. We were kids. It was a long time ago. Yeah, I'm not very good at folding. Right. And the Cheeto thing, well, I do love Cheetos. I would never touch a comic book with the fingers of Cheetos. That's why I just cracked the bag and pour it into my face hole. Like eating cereal. No milk, just dry, right in the face hole. No? All right. Well, <laughs> Ah, uh, well, today we're doing episode number 101. Oh, yeah. Uh, to Ross's chagrin, which he wanted to go back to one, of course, which we've talked about the last couple episodes. So we'll see, you know. You never know. Might marvel it up. And then just jump to a thousand. Why not? Yeah, it could happen. I mean, how many times have we said Top 5 Comics podcast? At least a hundred and one times. At least, yeah. That's, All right. We may even have said it more than that. Well, Garen, yeah, if for sure. Some special event stuff. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. When we talk about ourselves well, and they introduce, <laughs> introduce ourselves at events. Well, that's true too. Yeah. If we were to count that, all that stuff. It'd... Yeah, we easily hit a thousand. But but for audience purposes, we're episode number one hundred and one. Hell yeah! Uh, today we're gonna be doing uh, Moon Knight number one. Oh, man, that's not true, because there's no such thing as number ones anymore, Rob. Moon Knight number 188. Legacy numbers. So this is actually the number one for the new storyline. Anyhow, uh, then we're also doing Black Lightning number one um, from DC Comics, followed by Runaways... No. Yeah, Runaways issue number three from Marvel. And then we'll follow that up with Port of Earth... Number one from Image Comics, and then we'll finish that all off with Ragman number two uh, from old DC Comics. So then, once we get done with the books, we'll go and uh, run an interview for you from uh, Mr. Matt Terroscalera, a uh, fantastic artist, uh, awesome guy, uh, super great to talk to. Uh, so we'll run that after we get done with the books. Um, let's go ahead and get into a little bit of news. Unfortunately, Mr. Ross is off in his satellite, doing whatever he does in the satellite. I never really understand that. Is that like a Ross? Yeah, pretty yeah, much. That's what he does. I'm pretty sure it means he's actually really out killing, but, you know, whatever. With that in mind, news-wise, we've got a couple things that are kind of big deals. So first off, which is what you think Ross would be right on the dime for. So the DC is finally giving Mira, uh, the Queen of Atlantis, her own miniseries, a six-part miniseries, uh, which is actually titled Mira, Queen of Atlantis. Uh, it's going to be written by uh, Dan Abnett. And uh, art is going to be by Lan Medina. So it's the first time she's had a standalone series. I mean, she's been in plenty of Aquaman books, and she's been in a whole bunch of uh, Justice League books, but as far as her own series, it's her first own series, so that's cool. 
And it looks like they're going to sneak her into the Justice League movie. Let's oh, yeah, see. for sure. She's definitely in the trailers. Yeah. Whether that makes any sense later on or not, it's hard to say. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, so, interesting for that. I mean, it's a six-part miniseries, so um, I think, I want to say starting, gosh, I don't remember the date it's starting. Not probably until January. Um, anyhow, so that's pretty That's pretty cool. I mean, it's a first. Um, we also have a couple uh, couple of company mashups sort of happening. And we finally got a, a cast for uh, Sci-Fi's Deadly Class TV series. So uh, Sci-Fi, which I mean, I know that the automatic what that means. Sharknado. Sharknado, right. Um, <laughs> is making a live-action Deadly Class series, which we rep Deadly Class a lot. I mean, Rick Remender is awesome, and Deadly Class is a great series, so... Book-wise, you really should be checking it out, because it's awesome. But cast-wise, we've got some interesting people in the cast. Most notable for me would be Henry Rollins, who is cast as, like, a smaller part in the cast. As far as how often he'll be in the show, it's hard to say. He's playing the character uh, Jurgen Denk, Denk, a German, so I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. Who's, I mean, he's a part of the comic books, but he's not a main cast member. Um, another one that's really cool that... Uh, is kind of getting a lot of... Like, he's in a lot of stuff right now. Uh, Benedict Wong, who is Doctor Strange's Wong from the Doctor Strange movie, will also be in Deadly Class, and he's part of the core cast. He's going to be Master Lin. So okay. a little different age-wise for Master Lin, but... Yeah. Hey, the dude's awesome. I mean, he was, he was awesome in Prometheus, actually, which is crazy. Huh. And he's scheduled to be in the... Uh, that put me Avengers movie, so the Avengers Infinity, whatever. So, dude's getting around, which is awesome. But you have to be untitled, you have to be titled Avengers right. Infinity Wars. That's, yeah. not, that's not the real title yet. No, but yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a few other folks in there that um, are connected to other movies. Um, the girl they had playing Jubilee, she's going to be in it, uh, playing Saya. Uh, it's Lan uh, Condor? Condor? Condor, I think? It's Lan. Lan Condor, yeah. She's the girl who was Jubilee in the most recent uh, X-Men uh, the Apocalypse movie. So she's in, she's not in it so it's a lot, lot, but that's the chick. Uh, which, I mean, I think that's cool. I mean, cast-wise, there's a few other names in here that are interesting, but those are the ones that really, I like, was like, wow, that's cool. All right. Because I love Henry Rollins. The dude's amazing. Like, I mean, he's, he's hilarious. Uh, really straight up. Dude, but won't put up with bullshit. Like, he won't ever come back to Junction again, and I totally believe that. Which is sad, because he's awesome. Uh, anyhow, so there's there's that, which is, look out for Deadly Class. I mean, it is sci-fi, so that does beg questions, but they've had a couple shows that have come out lately that are pretty freaking good. Uh, Dark Matter is great, so, which is on Netflix now, so if you, at least season one and two. So, check it out, because that, that show is awesome. And it started as a comic book also, uh, Dark Horse book. So, other news, and then we'll get on to books. Hasbro made a bid for Mattel, so uh, two to- toy company manufacturers, according to the Wall Street Journal. It's hard to say what exactly the deal offer was, and at this point, I don't think there's been a resolution to it. But what's cool about that is that that would mean that J.I. Joe and Transformers can invite He-Man to the party, along with Barbie. Well, then, like, Hot Wheels and whatever. Not, like, the most interesting, but right now, the whole... Okay, so, while that in itself is not super interesting when I say it that way, because it makes it sound like a Malibu Barbie playhouse and also G.I. Joe comes to play, he's short compared to Barbie. But, right now, Marvel's going through... Or, Hasbro's going through this whole revolution thing where they're matching everything together. So, 
With IDW? With IDW, right. And then the plans are to move that into the movie franchises, but so far it hasn't happened for the movie side, but it's a bigger project to take on. I mean, yeah. G.I. Joe and Transformers are only two that have their foots in the, foot in the world of movies right now, so... Yeah, and we're still waiting for a good G.I. Joe movie. Well, the second one was all right. Yeah, it was all right. Then, well, there's but... like five Transformers movies that are questionable yeah, around. yeah. I, I would say we're waiting for a good Transformers movie, but I already gave up on that. Like, ah. like, a long time ago. Ow. The only thing that might save it would be the crossover. Right? I mean, really. Drop some ROM in there, be freaking awesome. <laughs> He's the hub for everything, Rob, I'm telling you. It's true. Actually, in, in their own IDW world, it's true. Yeah, it works pretty good. It does, actually. Um, so, also, they're uh, another com- company... And this is all, from what I know, it's talk. So who knows if it's really true or not. Apparently Disney was uh, rumored the idea of buying Fox, or 20th Century Fox. Not Fox, the corporation in general, but the movie side of Fox. So, like the X-Men properties. Which, if they buy the company, then I guess we can have everybody playing the same universe, which is kind of cool. I'm a little on the naysay side of that, simply because we have Logan, which for all as much the hate pieces of it, it's pretty impressive as an R-rated movie, and the only way we get it is an R-rated movie. Otherwise, Wolverine can't ever use his claws. Unless it's off-screen or to pop a balloon or something. And then we got Deadpool, which, language barriers, the mouse has a real problem with that. Except for himself when he's behind closed doors slapping the Jonas Brothers. That's why they're all so sad, Rob. But nevertheless, like those two rubs are questionable. Whereas Fox is willing to go the extra step, I just don't think that Marvel, Disney, is willing to make that extra jump. So, for all the fans are like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever, if they buy it, it'll be so great, X-Men and Fantastic Four, blah, blah, blah. But they're the same ones that are like, Deadpool's my favorite movie. And I'm like, ah, well, there's your catch, Doug. That's true. Deadpool wouldn't be able to stay the way that he is under Disney. Now... There's always the possibility they buy that and don't bother to change the brand. Say that it's it's Disney. You yeah, know? that's true. Oh, it's still 20th Century Fox is putting out that Deadpool movie. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of in-house play with that stuff, just like Sony and then Sony DVD. While they're the same company, they're technically different companies. So well, one yeah. sells the property to the other, and then the other one turns around, and puts the book, the DVDs, and Blu-rays out, and then. It's, the money just gets shifted between the two companies, so it cuts part of the creators out of it. Yeah. Well, it's a whole money laundering there, thing. There's a lot of companies that are kind of shell, right? and you don't realize that they're the same company. Yeah. Johnson & Johnson owns a lot of other companies that don't come off and say that they're Johnson & Johnson, because why would you? Right. You know? Well, yeah, it's not the most unheard of thing in the world. No. But that would be, I mean, it's interesting, so I guess we'll see. I mean, yeah. At what point did it become a monopoly? A monopoly? I mean, granted, I guess Sony would still be around. So, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, certain things definitely cool. Other things, not so much. Uh, another pretty big piece, and this is probably the biggest piece, like, legitimately. I mean, if the Fox thing is true, then that's pretty big news. Yeah. But like, this next piece, we have, like, a major writer-creator over Marvel shifting companies. So, Brian Michael Bendis is moving over to DC, which is a giant thing because he's been working over at Marvel for the, I don't know, the past, what, 15, 20 years? The guy's the only reason the Ultimate Universe 
didn't just crumble at the beginning. That's true. These Miles Morales books are great. Damn. So, like, writer-wise, the dude's done a lot of stuff that's freaking awesome. He's done some other stuff that, of course, is questionable. But that's the same for anybody else. I mean... Yeah, everybody's career is going to have that. Yeah, ups and downs or whatever. So it's interesting to see the idea of him moving over to DC and, like, where exactly they would drop him and what he would work on. Because we do have a batch of new books coming out. Granted, he's not labeled as any of those pieces, but if they're already launching six new titles that are new, well, new new in general because they're not, char- not titles that happened before and five of them are new characters altogether. So it'll be interesting to see where he falls. I don't think there's any announcements yet about what he's working on or what his last book for Marvel is, but the shift is definitely happening. So while that is crazy, um, big news if you're a comic reader, not some big news if you don't care about comic books. Which is why you're listening. I mean, seriously. No, you'll you keep keep listening. Keep don't, listening. Don't, don't stop. No, it's it's yes. all right. Nothing else. Hit that like button. Oh, Make oh. sure to leave a quote or comment on iTunes, even if you hate it, because that's all iTunes cares about. And unfortunately, we have to care about iTunes. Like and subscribe. Like it's that's, that's YouTube, bro. Oh, but you can still subscribe oh. on Podomatic. Subscribe, like, and leave a comment. Right. Yes. But all three things. And even Pablo Mag lets you leave comments, too. Especially if you don't like it. I mean, if you came in and you were just wanting to hear about a movie and you didn't hear about it, like and subscribe. Or, I'm sorry, like and post and put a comment. Share with your friends on Facebook. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> awesome. You sound, you I sound like... a little bit. You say, what's, what's her name from the new Ragnarok movie? Oh. <laughs> Helena? Yeah. Yes. Kate Blanchett, who's awesome and plays the part great. Yeah. But the character isn't... As soon as she gets serious for three seconds, automatically falls what she says is something stupid. Yeah, Thor has a couple issues. Which we'll talk about in a different episode, because it's still pretty new, and we yeah. don't want to hit you where it hurts yeah. while it's still going well, on. Well, we want you to... And get a chance to see it. Yeah, we want you to watch it. It's worth it. watching. Like, yeah. Movie-wise, it is fun. It is entertaining. There's just occasions when the dial's turned up too high, and your speakers aren't built for volume 12. Yeah, they, they needed to cut some of it back. That's, just, an, anthol- yeah. that, that's an, uh, an analogy. The, the volume itself is fine in the movie. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, yeah. it's an analogy. Anyhow, uh, let's move on to some books, Rob, before we get ourselves yes. into trouble. Right. Yeah, let's go ahead and hit Moon Knight 181. Don't actually hit it, but no. go ahead, yes. Well, we'll read it. That's a good idea. Well, we're not going to read it. We're going to tell you about it. <laughs> All right. So, written by Max Bims and art by Jason Burrows. I think that's Bemis, but go on. Bemis? I, I apologize if I'm wrong there. Right. I didn't say Beavis. Bemis. It's entirely different. Yeah. That letter's not in there. The days. Yeah, right. well. All right. If you had actually been following the previous run for Moon Knight, this actually mirrors that a little bit. So just to throw in there, the previous run for Moon Knight was basically him in the asylum, and he was dealing with really losing his mind, and whether he could come out the other side of that. And so this one actually begins with one of the doctors that was trying to help him in the previous story. So she kind of she knows that he was Moon Knight, and a bit of his affliction. Well, she's got a new case, um, and this un- unnamed um, war veteran that she's seeing all these parallels with to Moon Knight. 
Yeah, similarities like his, where where he's what time frame he's from as far as like war, and like he himself has a few different afflictions. Like he's got these crazy burns on him, and like all the crazy burns is like one of the major differences. But personality wise, she draws correlating lines between the two. Yeah, and so she starts thinking that maybe maybe the way that Moon Knight has helped himself, kind of finding a purpose through his madness. That's the same thing that this this guy should do. And maybe that'll help him um, be able to unravel the mystery of his past. Because he's, he's so geared up that he doesn't remember who he is, he doesn't remember his past, he doesn't remember you know, how he got burned. And so she's slowly uncovering these things throughout the course of the issue. And of course, she's also kind of wrapped herself up with this whole idea of Moon Knight and kind of like fell in love with the idea of the Egyptian gods and like using these as kind of a part of her method for um, treatment for this dog, for this guy. It's weird, but yeah. Um, in the end, we see that some people are broken maybe too much and introducing elements into their, into their care could, could actually lead them down a, a totally different path. Um, the cool thing for it is it's, it feels like a very kind of psychological thriller sort of story, and it's setting up some very big thing for Moon Knight in this next round. Um, it's important to say like that this issue goes by without really interacting that much with Mark Spector or Moon Knight himself. It's all dealing with this new guy, and it, and it feels like a really well-placed beginning story. So... Um, I think this is going to be a really neat part for for Moon Knight to go through, and I actually really enjoy the artwork for the series for for the first issue, anyways, or the 188th issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of things that happen in here that we really don't want to get into, but it's kind of neat to see this emergence of this new character that's going to be important in the Moon Knight series. Throughout this first issue, you know, Phil wise, it, it feels like it connects to the other series pretty well. Yeah, it does. And granted, I mean, not the same writers, not the same artists, but as far as like style, at least the first issue feels like it fits really well. Yeah, and that's that's a bonus. Yeah, if you just stepped out of the last run, this this feels like it fits. So, uh, score for the book, Rob? Uh, I would give it. I'd give it a four. I was uh, I was very happy with where this is going so far, and it, it feels pretty well thought out. The The previous one, it was like attacking you with madness, so this one feels a little bit more a little bit more subtle, but I, I think it's I think it's well thought out, so I'd give it a four and a half. Alright. Four and a half? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Score-wise, you know, I, I give it a three and a half. I mean, book-wise, it's really good, and that's still a good score. And, you know, actually, let me give it. Let me give it four. Yeah, I'm gonna give, give it, a it a three and a half. Three, no, yeah. I'm gonna give it a four because the art, the art is clean and it's good. Yeah. The introductions of the pieces, like the the stepping stones we go through in here, is reminiscent of like a Joker Harley kind of thing going on. A little bit. And like I dig that a lot. Um, I like Moon Knight a lot. I, the character is awesome when he was Mister Knight. Whether he's Moon Knight or Mister Knight, either way, both incarnations are awesome. I mean, he's. He's like a Batman that's just a different kind of crazy. And his crazy deals with multiple personalities, so that's good times. I think he's 
At this point in the in the whole hierarchy of the movie universe or TV universe, I think that Moon Knight is ripe for a show because I think he'd fit really, 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 really well on Netflix. The way that the whole Daredevil and Luke Cage and jo- Jessica Jones and Iron Fist, the whole Defenders thing, like he fits in that world real well. He's just another element to that world. Because we've seen superpowers, we've seen mystical weirdness. He would be the magic piece of the mystical weirdness. So I think that'd be awesome. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I think he would fit real well. Um, but yeah, I, I give it a four. Entertaining, good. I I think Moon Knight, I think he's an awesome character, so I, I hope this series runs for a minute. Yeah, it'd be nice. <laughs> Moon Knight has been plagued with the, the short series. I mean, it's, it's all about support, you know. If you don't follow the characters you like, they're not going to have a very long run. That's just how it is. Right. So let's move on to Black Lightning number one. Sure. Okay. Uh, so this is Black Lightning number one. The series is called Black Lightning Cold Dead Hands. Uh, it's a miniseries. It's a six-part. Uh, of course, it's DC Comics, in case you didn't, didn't know that already. I don't know who Black Lightning is, even though he's getting a TV show pretty soon, which I guess doesn't connect to anything else, which is weird, but... Interesting. Well, it might after after a bit. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. So the uh, writer here is uh, Tony Isabella, and the artist is uh, Clayton Henry, which, if in my head, I'm not entirely sure that this is the same artist that did Area 52 uh, back in, like, 96-ish. I guess I should have researched that before we started the show, which I didn't. Uh, so that's on me. But the artist is freaking awesome. Like, I love this. I, I love this guy's art. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, super consistent. Really well done. Yeah, artwork. it's just fun. The dude, he's, he's really good. Like, I dig it a lot. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's definitely an awesome series. Anyhow, uh, so story-wise, we started with Black Lightning. Showed up on the scene during a bank robbery, of course. And... He hasn't been on the scene in a minute, and we get a lot of uh, inner monologue kind of stuff going on, where he's talking to himself about getting back into the throw of things and being back in the city and how he wasn't expecting to have to do this this, this soon and wasn't expecting to have to be out in this area, but but this group of thugs who have themselves, I don't know, similar to like Captain Cold and Heatwave guns, elemental guns are running around, call themselves the Weathermen and robbing casinos and whatnot. So, of course, Black Lightning steps in to stop and help the, pro- help the situation. And then we have a little bit of running with a few of the police officers, and a couple of cops aren't so happy to see him. They aren't so happy to have a superpower running around, and they actually try to arrest him at first, after he's stopped three of the robbers. Granted, a couple of them got away, but he still caught half of them and gave them the cops to take credit for and turn in. Uh, in the process of all that, we have some collateral damage to a few buildings, that uh, one of the guys who uses a thunder gun shoots the building, of course, to mess stuff up. So, in the process of destroying the building, giant chunks come falling down. And while Black Lightning has lightning powers, and he's learned different ways to use those lightning powers, he's not like Superman. So he tries to stop the debris, move the debris as much as he can. And so while he keeps the debris from hitting the officers, it crushes the hell out of a police car. And of course they turn around and want to go after him for damage in police property. Uh, ultimately, it's not his fault, which clearly we see, but in the throw of things, you know, it's that whole us versus them kind of thing, which this book kind of addresses that, too. So it's a little bit political there. I don't think bad, but interesting. Anyhow, as we move forward, we get some more inner monologue and, like, 
open monologue where he's talking about why he's there. And we want to find out he's there because of, uh, of someone dying, so he's there for a funeral. And then that leads us to the other side of the park, which uh, is a group connected to the people who supplied the weapons for our weathermen. And uh, there's some inter- interesting family dynamic in there, too, that goes very sour. I think that's a pretty key issue to the thing, so I'm not going to tell you who it is or what it is or what we talk about. Because it kind of goes over a big chunk of who we're going to be dealing with during the story. From there, we jump to some supporting cast for Black Lightning. And his whole deal is he's a teacher by day, and then when he goes out vigilanting, he's Black Lightning. Well, he's got a friend in the police department that's a detective lady, and I'm pretty sure they've had a romantic element before this. I don't remember enough of the old series to know that for sure. Yeah. But the way the two of them act is very, like, they're intermingled that way. But she knows he's Black Lightning. And, uh, of course, while they're at the uh, funeral, um, well, I guess it's after the funeral, so the uh, the wake. The wake, yeah. Uh, we wind up having a call that there's the weathermen are downtown calling for Black Lightning because now they're looking for revenge. And that leads to both of them leaving. And uh, things unravel at the... Uh, showdown, I guess, uh, which leaves Black Lightning not in a happy position. So I'm going to leave it there, because the way this book swings is what sets up the whole chase for the rest of the book. Score-wise, I give it a three and a half. Like, I love the art. The story is very... There's definitely pieces from modern, or from what's going on right in, well, in the last six months in the public arena. Well, maybe longer than that, last two years. So there's definitely pieces in there that, are, that have a political nature to it. I think the way it comes off is real well. And I, I dig what they're doing story-wise. So yeah, I give it three and a half. I'm interested to see the rest of it. It is only six parts, so we'll see how it goes. But book-wise, it's interesting. All the, he puts name drops in there. He's like, oh yeah, I took the Batman 101 course for stealth. And it's like, awesome. Because he really has been around all the other characters. I mean, he ran with the Justice League for a while. So all the name drops he puts in there are things that make sense. And I think that's really cool. So yeah, I give it three and a half. Rob, you going to score for that book? Sure. Uh, I... I think I'd follow suit. I'd probably go three and a half as well. Uh, the only thing that's tricky for me is is I, I always have a hard time wrapping my head around whether we were using the New 52 version of Black Lightning or the regular version of Black Lightning, because he was around actually in New 52 very briefly. Honestly, fantastic story. Love the artwork for it. It's actually a great, great starting spot in, in DC right now for a neat side character. I really like the catch that we didn't really talk about. I think that's really cool, and if you're not familiar with that character, yeah, Wikipedia him up, because it's a cool read. But I think that they handled a pretty tricky subject in this story, and, and kind of did it the right way. I mean, you get a lot of times where they say they did the right thing, they just beat a horse to death. I think this was actually done pretty well. Well, it's kind of subtle. It's not, yeah, like you said, it's not overpowered. The political nature is there, but it's not like punching you in the face. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to see, I guess, as, as issues go on, but I, so far they're doing it the right way, and I think the story is going to be pretty awesome, you know, and uh, characters like Black Lightning are not necessarily what you think of, like, as an A-list kind of DC hero, so it's kind of cool to see a story like this where it's, it's being played out really well, even though he's kind of more of a minor character, so. Right. But yeah, I, I'd say three, three and a half, I think. Pretty well done. I, I like the artwork as well, of course. So Cool. Alright, uh, let's move on to Runaways, number three. Alright. 
So this is going to be written by Rainbow Raleigh, with art by Chris Anika. Runaways has had a lot of stuff going on uh, since it started. One of the big things is that, you know, Runaways started originally in 2003. So there's been, you know, kind of a bit of continuity for this series. And we've had a handful of different writers on it. Um, the big crutch for this series is that a character named Chase was the son of Mad Scientist. And his mother and father were evil mad geniuses that created these flame gauntlets. And... Greta, who was a character that actually was killed in like, the first ten issues of the Runaway series. She's the daughter of a couple of time-traveling supervillains that had brought in a dinosaur called Old Lace back in time with them to uh, to be guardians of, of Greta. So, yeah, she, she's kind of cool on her own, but really it's the dinosaur that's awesome. Anyways, Chase had always been torn up that he couldn't save her, that there was nothing they could do, and he finally gets a chance to do that. He finds a way to hotwire their old time travel machine and go back and save Greta. Well, when he brings her back to their time, she's just been missing for X number of years, and is totally distraught with the idea that the runaways have kind of completely broken up, and most of them don't talk to each other at all, and she's kind of like, what the hell? Why are you guys, why did you let your family just fall apart? And so it kind of starts this, starts them on this road trip to go and find each of the runaway members and kind of bring them back if they want to come back. And as we're going, we, we kind of knew if you read the previous series that Greta and Chase had had a relationship. And it was always kind of this thing that she, she didn't want to commit to. And now she's even more broken up with it because the age difference is even bigger. You get a lot of the inner turmoils of the characters. And what makes this story so good so far is that if this story was being put out by, say, Image, it would fit in perfectly well there. It's not about the superpowers. It's not about any of the fantastic stuff that goes on in Marvel. Normally, it's it's just about these characters, and it's just about them reconnecting kind of as people to each other and how you know people can drift apart. But why do they do it? You know, and, and it's funny because as a reader, you kind of know the reasons. But when Greta kind of says it, it's like, yeah, well, why did you let that happen? Why did you, you know, just let these people move out of your life? I mean, they were your family. How do you let go? As the series continues to heat up, we're finding some of the characters don't want to go back. You know, they've, they've moved on. They've grown up. And going back to being... You know, kids kind of on the run doesn't really appeal to them anymore. Right, they've grown past it. Yeah. But we're also seeing that somebody has been monitoring at least some of them. And uh, the next one that we're going to come up to is a character named Molly. And if you've read the original Runaway stuff at all, or, you know, you're familiar with any of these characters, Molly is kind of the, the dynamo character with the little hat. It's a super strong little uh, brunette girl. And she was kind of the heart of the group, and so she's kind of the, the one they had their eyes set on next. But we're seeing a lot of kind of sneaky surveillance stuff, so whatever's going to happen, it's going to be big, and it's coming up soon. So even though maybe the Runaways have forgotten about their family, people haven't forgot about the Runaways yet. It's actually 
a pretty darn good story. It's sort of understated, and it's it's got two things that are working against it. One is that it isn't really a big action-y packed book. It's more about the characters and their personal lives. And two, the Runaways. It's not necessarily the most top of the mind series right now. I, w- I would say, truthfully, if you're at your store and you're wanting to get something that has a little bit more character meat, definitely look into Runaways. Because you're getting a lot more personality and a lot more character development in this story than you are really action-y stuff. If you have somebody that's like, oh, I like comics, but I don't know if I really like superhero stuff, this might be the book for them. I mean, it's going to get there, but you're going to get there in a slower pace. And once that stuff starts happening, I think it'll be more impactful to the reader. I've really enjoyed the artist on it. I think they do a good job. The writing for it so far has been really good. I can't say that I know these characters so well that that they're 100% who they should be. But they feel like the emotions for the characters feel very genuine. That's what I guess I'm trying to get at. And you get a dinosaur again. You get you know, old lace is like a velociraptor dinosaur dog. And every once in a while, he gets like Scooby-Doo thought bubbles, which is kind of cool. It's pretty hilarious. Definitely hilarious, the, do- the thought bubbles. I guess I, I would give it a... I'd give it a solid three. I actually think it's, I think it's well done. I, I like the art for it. I like that this isn't just kind of slam them together. They're really doing a good job of kind of building out who these characters are again. But yeah, it's just kind of sad that it hasn't quite picked up. But I I think people just you know, give it a chance. It's it's a pretty good series. It's just, it, it's a little different. So those of you who are fans of, of more indie stuff, give this one a shot because it's, it's more like what you're picking up. You know, just... I don't know. I, it's it's kind of hard to describe. You know, it's, it's not that it's different from Marvel. It's just that it's more character driven, and I think that's a lot of what more of the indie crowd is looking for. So check it out. Cool. Well, like you said, character character building. Not that the other Marvel books don't have it, mm-hmm. but like this one, the way it's driven is definitely more about their inner turmoil kind of stuff. Yeah. Right now, it's definitely. It's definitely about that. And right. I, I only see that changing for at least the first arc. I mean, we might have a a ten-part arc just to kind of bring these characters back together. I mean, it's kind of a significant thing, and it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's become almost blasé that if a character dies, they're going to come back. And when they come back, it's kind of like, yo, I'm back. And we don't really... There's not a lot of dealing with the consequences of that kind of thing. So this is kind of a, a neat other side of the coin where we really are dealing with sort the of the, the fallout of it, of it. yeah, yeah. Of, of this character coming back. And, you know, she keeps saying, you know, it was yesterday that we were friends. It was yesterday that this happened. Well, for the rest of them, it's been a number of years. Right. So. Well, score-wise, I mean, book-wise, I'll give you the first, I say probably reading the first three together would be a lot a lot better than reading them one by one. Yeah, sadly. Because the first one runs a little slow. I do feel it's stronger at yeah. three. 
Book-wise, it definitely hits its pace at three. Um, so if you if you read the first one, you're like, yeah, Isaac, give it the next two, and then see how you feel after three. Because uh, three, we definitely have some major steps forward, and we this, the espionage start, starts coming to fruition. So, like, pickup-wise, I think, if you give it to three, you can decide whether you really like it or not, because one moves a little slow, and, yeah. like, this catch with her, yeah, it, it's, it's a bigger deal if you know who the character was. But book-wise, I... Yeah, I give it a three. I give it a three. Right. Uh, so let's move on to Port of Earth for an entirely different kind of thing. Yes. Uh, Port of Earth is coming out from Image Comics. Uh, this is uh, written by Zach Kaplan, and the artist is uh, Andrew Mutai. I believe that's how you pronounce it. It's M-U-T-T-I is the artist. So we open up, and basically we open up with the void of space, and there's some dialogue talking about how Earth is and how we've always believed there was other life out in the galaxy, and we've always been looking to the stars, and then one day it finally came, and uh, talks about first contact, and this group of aliens that showed up on Earth, and how they wanted to avoid us, to buy us to be part of the cab- a cabal of planets, and started talking about how they figured out how to make water turn into power to fuel vehicles, and they give us that information. They teach us, give us their science. As long as we build them a port to stop at to be able to refill our vehicles. I mean, after all, we do have a lot of water. And according to the, what they'd say number-wise, it made perfect sense for the, the technology versus the little bit of water they would need. And uh, so from there, we, we do some time jumping, because we start out with the first arrival, and we see it like newsfeed style, and we jump to where the port's already built. And we have our first couple visitors coming to, to, this, to Earth, and they're not here very long, and they fuel up and they take off, and no one sees anything. Then eventually, of course, that leads to more ships and more ships and more ships. And then eventually that leads to aliens leaving the port, which goes about as well as you can expect, because you have people that are, oh, yay, welcome to Earth. And then you have people that are like, get them aliens out of here. So, of course, it turns into a, a bloody mess for a minute, which leads the cabal that we believe we were part of we find out they're less like a group of sentient planets and more like a gas station company that just decided to make Earth a gas station for the group. But at this point, we've already agreed the terms of the deal, and what we're getting from them, we can't very well just shut it down. So they elect to tell us to planet to police ourselves and police our planet ourselves, and the cabal just basically bounces. Provide a lot of information and technology weapon wise and they provide a lot of inform- provide a lot of information about other species and other other alien types and what they're more or less likely to do. Uh, which leads us to forming our own police force mostly to deal with them. The uh, ESA is what they're called. And well ESA is like an organization built to basically monitor and try to keep the aliens on the port and out of causing problems Ultimately, they're more like a babysitting service, and without going through multiple ranks of what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do, it determines whether they can actually stop them, because the whole alignment with the Cabal is so questionable, because the Cabal wasn't really mad that a bunch of humans died, but they were super pissed that some of the clients from the gas station died, and that didn't rub them the right way at all. Anyhow, uh, so we go through a little more uh, social commentary type stuff, and we wind up finding out that we've got a, a couple guys inside the group on the e- ESA that are going to be assigned um, to be followed by a set of f- televised drones. 
So we have a news anchor lady who's made a deal to be able to have these guys follow around my cameras. And of course, one's more playful with the whole situation. Like, if there's any problems, we can get it taken care of. And that guy's like, well, seriously, are the weapons we have are all stun weapons. They're not. They're not full death weapons. And then the other guy's like, oh, unless you know how to tinker with those, and someone's taking classes on how to work on this stuff, so we can get it done. So he's very like, oh, I'm going to kick in the door and start shooting type, even though he can't really do that and isn't allowed to do that. <laughs> Anyhow, we wind up finding out that we're going to have a whole senate of the Cabal coming to visit Earth for a meeting, and the only two that aren't sent to that part of the, the facility are two guys being followed by the drones. They're sent out to investigate a body, which both of them feel like is grunt work. However, one's happy, to, the, the, the guy who's not all headstrong is happy to do it. Whereas the other one's like, yeah, this is stupid. They should be sending the peons to do this, not us. And uh, in the process from there, we wind up finding out some certain things about these batch of dead bodies and lead to a possible culprit, uh, which just leads to more intrigue and mystery. And why is it all happening at the same time this crazy meetings happening with all different planet types. Anyhow, uh, there's some catches in there that if I that I don't want to give away, and the in the in catch is definitely leading us into danger. So I'm gonna stop there. Um, art's pretty good. I mean, it's a little rougher than the other stuff I like, but the tone for it's really cool. Like the coloring's really cool. The aliens look really cool. Uh, as far as like a, a book, this could easily be a sci-fi show on any network because it's awesome. I mean, it's got political nature to it, the whole idea of aliens coming to Earth and certain factions not wanting aliens around, and so, like, it's got that whole political tone to it, too. But, man, the first issue, I think, was great. Like, it's fun. Uh, super impressed by it. The art for it's great. The aliens look awesome. Depending on which cover you get, you either, there's two different covers. The cover that's of the port, so the facility itself, and another cover of this crazy Cthulhu-looking alien, and it's freaking awesome. Uh, Score-wise, I give it a three and a half. I think the first issue is pretty strong. It sets up a lot of things I like, though. I like espionage weirdness, and I like... Well, I like time travel craziness also, but, like, pieces of this book have that I enjoy. The whole setup of the... Quickly getting to the setup of what's going on and why they're here, and then us trying to police and take care of the problem. And the hook at the end is basically someone's here that shouldn't be here, and now we're going to have to try to deal with it. Which I think is awesome. And like, both the guys play off each other real fun, the two, two main characters. Because they're like, uh, it's like Sarsky and Hutch, you know? Which, uh, granted, if you've never seen the actual TV show, that doesn't help you. Like, literally at all. That's a terrible way to describe it. Uh, so like, uh, Chrononauts. We've got the serious scientist guy, and you have the fun-loving jerk. It's like, same idea, buddy cop. Um, just with an alien ba- backdrop. But yeah, I give it three and a half. I think it was awesome. Uh, super stoked to see the rest of it. I really dig the way the aliens are drawn. Like, they're drawn really cool. Anyhow, uh, so that's what I'm going to stop there with stuff. Rob, you have a score for that book? Uh, I'd give it... I'm going to go a little lower. I think actually three. Uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed how it was... how the story was told. I, I'm not a big fan of the coloring. And usually that's not something that throws me off, but there's something about this... Like kind of just kept drawing me out of the story as I went through it with the because it has kind of a limited palette. I, I like what they've what they built. I think it's a good idea. It's a really neat idea, and it's tough to take something that's actually really original and do well with it quickly. You know, because a lot of times when you're doing a sci-fi thing, either you're relying on 
tropes that everybody kind of knows, or you're taking forever to set it up, and this felt like they got things pretty quickly done, and it doesn't really feel too too trope-like yet. Right. So we do cover a lot of ground in the first issue as far as time and, like, distance between them showing up and the police force being built. So, yeah, it does kind of cover a lot of ground. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, Let's move on to uh, Ragman number two. Yes. All right, so I know I'm going to get the the artist's name wrong, but we're going to try. So uh, we're going to be written by Ray Fox and Inaki Miranda as the artist. So just to, you know, I don't want to like slow things down too much, but if you were a fan of Ragman before, this story is a completely unique take. So don't really expect it to be just picking up where you left off. If you never were a fan of Ragman because you thought he was weird or you just didn't like the idea of him. Didn't know existed. Didn't know existed, whatever. You know, like this, this is a new take. It's it's not got any of that stuff with it. And it's also separate from the Arrow TV show where he he was in the last couple seasons, so it's it's different than that. Also, so this is more of a comic book version of him. So there, it's not really the same as either one. It's basically a rebirth version. Yeah. Now that being said, it looks like they're building out to have some of the same abilities. This is going to be a six part series, and it looks like they got a really good idea of how they're going to tell the story, and they're giving it to us in a way that we don't really know everything that's happened yet. So our guy, Roy Reagan, who is going to be our our ragman for the story, kind of the things that we can piece together is that when he was in... I don't want to say Iraq, but it might be. I don't remember. But uh, when he was overseas with the military group, he and his pals had thought to use the diversion of an attack to raid a tomb. And they thought that they were going to pull up some great riches. Once they got into the tomb, and they found the sarcophagus, they didn't quite find what they thought they were going to find in there. They were attacked by uh, what looked like insurgents with glowing yellow eyes. Now, coming out the back of that, our main character is the only one who makes it Back to the U.S.? Well, pretty much all the other guys are wiped out. Yeah. Like, none of them make it out of there. Yeah, he's the only one who uh, who makes it over here. And there winds up being some crazy stuff at the end of the first issue that um, begins being resolved in the second issue. But a lot of what we're, what we're seeing is that it seems like whatever has changed him, whatever has made him now be able to draw on the power of the Ragman has has its own kind of sentiency, and it seems like it can draw out spirits of things that it's touched. And so he's being talked to by some of his friends that died overseas. He's being talked to by some of the creatures that he fought in the first issue. And he's being, you know, attacked by these creatures in this one, but they're not just physically attacking him, they're also attacking his mind and trying to get at, uh, kind of making him give up on himself. So their take is being pretty interesting, um, and the creatures that are attacking him are really unique as well. They all have this very uh, old Europe sort of dialect, 
So they do a lot of thous and, and their art kind of stuff when they talk. They talk very, very, uh, I don't know, Odie kind of. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It's not, it's like old English sort of. Yeah. I would say if there was there was one thing that you can kind of take out of this, because there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in this story, and there's a lot of ways that it starts dragging you. The question is really, where does Ragman get his get this power from? And whether or not we should believe any of the things that are talking to him from inside of his suits. Because we really don't know what happened when he first becomes Ragman. And we don't really know if the voices that talk to him are real or not real or have something to do with the suit or don't have something to do with the suit. So far, it's been a really well-done supernatural kind of thriller, and it has a lot of the same feel that I thought early Spawn had, where we're really dealing with kind of a mystery, not only in the things that are dangerous in this world and kind of are attacking him, but the mystery of where his powers come from and how they interact with him or the world around him. Why he's the only one that survived. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different elements that come through, and there's a lot of human elements that come through, because he's also kind of having to make peace with the people that didn't make it back. Uh, one of them was uh, a very close friend of him before he went into the service, and so that guy's wife and son are wrapped up in this story, too. So, But I, you know what? It was, it was a pleasant surprise. I've always kind of liked Ragman. I think actually they did a great job of it. So I, I'd give it, I'd give it a four. It's a very strong title so far. As for a miniseries, it feels really well figured out. You know, and I know that sounds kind of stupid because most of the time when you go into a miniseries, you know what you're going to do. But like this feels like they had the complete pacing figured out before they came into this because they're they're really kind of stringing you along on like what happened to the people around him, what his life is like now. In the first issue and in this issue, they're they're kind of playing with the idea that he's going to these self help meetings because his mind is a little fractured. I don't know. I just I think I think they've got a really good idea where they're going with this, and I think I think this run for Ragman might might be the one that kind of propels him into a more recognized status, I guess. So, but I I give it a four. It's a totally worth picking up. Ragman for the miniseries. Sweet. Oh, well, we see if score wise, you know, man, the art is fantastic. And like mystery wise, it is interesting how they're leaving like certain things unanswered. And I, I remember seeing the early Ragman books. And I know I've, I know I've read a few of them. I can't for life remember anything about like other than his, his power, his care, his, uh, Ragman, like unending. And like when he is Ragman, he's, nearly impervious. I don't really remember anything about the rest of the story. And maybe it's just because of the time frame that they were coming out, and I don't think I got a lot of them. I mean, I, I know we have some in the store, yeah. but I've never really read a lot of that stuff. But book-wise, this, at least the first, the first issue is really tight. The second issue is pretty freaking good, too. And, like, all the mystery with the crazy demons and, like, all the weird stuff the demons keep saying to him to mislead him or guile him or rile him 
is crazy. The idea that he still talked to his dead friends, too, is freaking crazy. Yeah. So it's hard to say that the suit eat them, that the suit absorb them. Like, what exactly is going on is still crazy. I mean, clearly he's battling these demons. And, like, that stuff's all plain and simple. But the mystery side of it's what's really, like, intriguing. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I give it a, I give it a three. I give, well, yeah, I give it a three. Mm. I, it is good. Uh, miniseries also, like, like just like Black Lightning. Yeah. Very different art style from Black Lightning, but, man, it is fantastic. Because, like you said, early spawn, it's wild, man. Yeah. It is awesome. So, like, that stuff is great. Yeah, uh, they're definitely going to town on, like, the look of Ragman for the story. Oh, yeah. For sure. It's freaking awesome. Yeah, sadly, I probably know way more about Ragman than I should. And there is a lot of similarities to this this version and the, and the previous it feels like they're definitely taking it in the right direction. Okay, so like as far as uh, as far as books, I guess that wraps for books. This one will run the uh, interview with uh, Matteo Scalera, fantastic artist, fantastic guy, super awesome to talk to. Uh, this interview is from Denver Comic Con 2017. Uh, wait a year to do this interview. I feel really bad that I haven't gotten to it to you guys sooner because I definitely should have. And Matteo, I apologize to you too, sir, for not getting it out sooner. Anyhow, um, so we're going to run that guy. Uh, so enjoy. All right, this is Steeter with Top Light Comics Podcast here at the Denver Comic Con 2017. And I'm here with of Matteo Scalera. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm an Italian artist. And uh, I'm currently working on Black Science for Image Comics with writer Rick Reimander. And that's my main project right now. I've worked on other titles like Deadpool, Secret Avengers, Indestructible Hulk, Batman. So that's my latest work. It's Black Science. Writing's fantastic artwork. So, as far as like, was there a point in when did you decide this is what I want to do? Was there a point like the light switch is turned on? You're like, this is what I'm going to do as a job, or did it just happen? Or like, um, actually, like I wasn't really indecided until a certain age, like when I, until I was, uh, you know, maybe 22, 23 years old. I, I, I've always had a passion for art in general, so I was. Uh, my studies were divided in two parts. On, on one side, I was studying art. And uh, specifically for comic books, which have been my passion, like since I was four years old. Sure. And on the other side, uh, I had music. I started a conservatory, and my plan was to play drums. So I was playing drums with bands and stuff. And um, and then I decided, like uh, in I don't remember the year, but yeah, probably was like 22 years old. I participated in a contest, a comic book contest. And uh, every important one in Italy, and even professionals were participating in this, and uh, and I won. So I, I still remember I was in Spain, uh, I was at a convention, not as a guest. I was just wandering around and watching other artists draw, and they called me from Italy, telling me that I was the winner. So I was like, you know what? I I might be pretty good at this. So I might be thinking about doing this for a living. And from then on, it all started. So that's the story, basically. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's, man. It's really, really cool. So, like, when you were when you were growing up, was there an art, were artist you followed, or was there like was there some like some inspiration for it? I mean, you were four, so like, 
who would you follow that was like most inspirational to you? I guess. Well, yeah, actually, when I was four, my mainly my main thing was cartoons. Actually, like the passion for comic books started when I was eight, nine. So when I was able to read and everything, sure, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And back in the day, it was the nineties, early nineties. So, and and Italy, even if it's a small country, we have a huge culture for comic books. And uh, back in the day, you could find in the shops, you could find American stuff. At the same time, you could find Italian stuff like Dylan Dog, Dex. I don't know if you're oh, familiar yeah, with those yeah, titles. Dog, yeah, yeah, they uh, Dark Horse published it. Yeah. So. And uh, yeah, back in the day, it was uh, ma- mainly Marvel, DC, mainly Marvel. Sure. And you had the uh, Spider, McFarlane Spider-Man, right. and you had Gene Lee's X-Men. So those were the main things that I was following. In general, the X group, so X Factor and X Force and everything else. Sure. And um, and then we also had mangas. We have a huge, you know, manga oh, really? culture as well. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people buy manga. So I grew up reading all these different things, and that's that probably shows up now in my stuff because you can tell there's some European influences, sure, yeah. some uh, some American influences as well, and some manga stuff as well, especially for the action sure. scenes and stuff like that. So, so some of your movement lines and stuff, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So and sometimes the way I draw some faces, sometimes I add some the way they draw the eyes. There's some little stuff here in there. Sure. So and then lately I just I also discovered French comic books. So I grew up with all this these influences and uh, and yeah there was a lot of I, I was looking at a lot of different stuff. That's sure. my main strength. I, well, like I a think. real broad selection of things to yeah. see. So yeah, yeah I lots to learn from man. That's crazy. That's really crazy. Yeah, awesome, the, the good thing is that I grew up uh, grew up without a specific taste, you know, and I was able you know keep in drawing able slowly able to understand that a good thing the, the important thing was the quality wasn't the style necessarily right you know and that's really important you know? oh yeah for sure so like character wise I mean at this point you've worked on quite quite a few titles yeah. and characters if you could pick somebody to work on what would you work on well actually like my dream came already through when I managed to work on Batman so that that was the more you know the biggest satisfaction for me and uh, in general I love uh, dark characters because they allow me to use a lot of blacks and stuff since I love you know a lot of shadows yeah yeah because uh, you know I I love using brush so that's like 99% of my pages are done with brush so so I I love the Punisher as well and uh, because it's really dark yeah you know dark and you know hardcore character Heck yeah, man. so that's that would be another one that I you know I still miss but hopefully in the future sure see. have you ever thought about Moon Knight maybe yeah Moon Knight that would be awesome especially because he's, he's got a white costume so yeah in a, in a black environment it would be nice to find some you know cool you know composition ideas yeah, right, yeah the two be, things lend to each other yeah yeah, yeah absolutely that would be, cool. be cool nice idea man yeah I have little ones. No. <laughs> if you're doing karaoke, what's your go-to song? Oh my god! Oh, that's complicated. Um, oh Jesus! There's one I really like. Uh, the, I mean, there's some songs that everybody know. Some songs by the Scorpions. Okay. I really like. Uh, I don't remember the name. Uh, Here we come again. Oh, I know the song you're talking about. I don't know the that one. No. 
I hopefully my you know no, my voice good. is good enough that people will recognize it. It's like ah, <laughs> oh, it's that song, but right, right. I don't remember the name. And uh, in general, I would say some uh, like trash metal songs like Pantera, oh, like right. Hostile. I don't know if the actual name is actual titles. Hostile or fucking hostile, but that song I really like. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, it's really fast, uh, fast paced, and like, it's yeah. screaming. A lot of, uh, of yeah. emotion to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now, if you're stranded on a desert island and you take five items with you, items can also be people. What would your five items be? Can it be food, whatever? Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. pasta, first thing. Like, I cannot live without pasta. Like, any kind of pasta, but pasta. All right. Um, some uh, a book by Topi, which is an Italian artist, okay. really good one. He died like a few years ago, but he's one of the top artists ever. So a book by Topi for sure. And uh, mm, I don't know, is am I just gonna be alone there? I just can also be people. So. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna bring my jujitsu teacher. Ah, all right. Because I love, I discovered this sport. I mean, I've always known this sport, but I started practicing like a couple of years ago. That's awesome, yeah. Almost, and uh, even if it destroys me, because I just come from a surgery and stuff oh. like that, so it's, it's pretty bad. It's, it's been six months of oh rehab. Gosh, like, man. Yeah, yeah, I totally fucked up my shoulder and everything. Holy so crap. It was super bad. But anyways, I, I keep loving it. That's real love, you know? Right. And so, since I'm bringing my teacher, I'm going to bring my jiu-jitsu kimono. Sure. So we can train. Right. And then one last thing. Um, a girl. A girl that um, uh, I can't name right now, but it's, I'm starting to know her. I don't really like her, so let's be romantic. So yeah, for that makes one, perfect sense. For once. So, yeah. <laughs> right on. So if you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony? Would I ride a chocolate pony? No, because I sweat a lot, so it will melt, like, underneath my ass in, in just, like, three minutes, so it wouldn't be good Completely understandable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't do that. I would die, like, in three seconds. I would be on the ground, on the floor in three seconds, so, yeah. Right, uh, well, thanks for talking with us, Matt Darrell, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was a pleasure, man. Thanks. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, definitely worth the year wait. Uh, guys, he, he's, he's great. Like, he's a super fun guy to talk to. Fantastic artist. Like, the dude's just, just awesome. Uh, he works on Black Science with Rick Remender. Uh, it's his current, current book. And he's got other art pieces that have come out and other pieces that have been done by people for people. So the dude's got art around the world, just all over the place. But as far as, like, books, Black Science is a big thing right now, which is awesome. Um, which we wrap that book a lot, too, because of same reasons Rick Remender. Yeah. Man, he's a lot more press than he should, probably. Damn you, <laughs> Rick Remender. <sighs> Mostly jokes. Yeah. All, all kidding. All it's, kidding. It's all good. Um, so, uh, hey, Rob, uh, what'd you learn today? Uh, Black Lightning doesn't wear his costume underneath his clothes because then he'd have lethal B.O., <laughs> that that is exactly what he says in there. Yeah, <laughs> and it sort of makes sense. And later he's musing like Flash says he keeps his costume in a ring. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and sadly, when I read that, I went, "Yeah, he's just fast. He just shoves it in the ring." 
<laughs> it doesn't make any sense. He's just so quick. The molecularly, he doesn't change. <laughs> it's just a really strong latch. Ah, right, I so see. It's pretty good. <laughs> Man. All right. Um, what did I learn today, Rob? Uh, you learned if aliens show up and they just want to give you technology, that there's usually a big price tag. That, that price tag is probably BS. <laughs> that's, that is also true. I like how both things we learned were two-letter analogies, B-O and B-S. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> Hilarious. We, we learned how to do acronyms today. That that's what also, we really learned. Also something good to learn. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rob, you got any books to watch? Oh, gosh. Uh, the, the Moon Knight series, actually... I think is going to have great potential. Uh, Thor, I think, is going to start really heating up again soon. Uh, I actually really enjoyed the Black Lightning, so I'm going to be picking that up, continuing for it. Um, Ragman has been really, really well done. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Astonishing X-Men, so I want that to be one I keep going for. For me, Birthright has still been fantastic, so that's one I, I always want to keep an eye out on. Black Science has done really well. Um, Wayward has kind of been back and forth in its release, but it's it's going strong right now. And I think there's actually a lot of really good stuff in there. Wayward has been a lot of fun still, too. And surprisingly enough, I, I don't think I've even mentioned this as much as I really enjoy it. The uh, Street Fighter Darkstalkers series that they've been oh, putting yeah. out. The Udon um, series, yeah. yeah. It's kind of in and out mini series stuff, but they've done a great job with it so far, so managing those two properties. Yeah, art's fantastic in it. Yeah it is. Alright. Um let's see, will I give you uh the Harcourt legacy, which is uh from Action Lab. So far it's only got the one issue out, but I I dig the art. It's super fun. It's all about magic and the lineage of a family. It's only a three-part miniseries. They just come out from Action Lab, which is a smaller company. But yeah, I dig it a lot. I like the main character's look. I like... Yeah, I dig it. It's awesome. I would also say the new Witchblade series, which won't actually probably be out in the stores, I don't think, until... I want to say end of December, maybe beginning of January. I don't remember the date of release, but it's coming out in the next couple months. Um, thanks to our friends over at Image, I got to read that guy a little earlier this week, and it's pretty good. We're not dealing with Sarah Pizzini, uh, at least at this point. Whether she'll be part of the story or not, don't know. So for all intents and purposes, it's a very number one type of story, because we're dealing with a new new host or a different host. And as far as like her place in the world, like the things she's done between A and B, I mean, at one point she was an investigative journalist, and now she's like a an assistant to an ADA dealing with uh, protecting people while they're dealing with court situations. And, like, her whole spin, at least from what we get from it, is pretty impressive. The art is great in the first issue. Uh, don't know enough to know how far that particular artist is running with the series, but for the first issue, it's freaking great. Uh, if you ever liked Witchblade, it doesn't have the same quite quite the same tone, but, yeah, it's, it's a good book. I can dig it. Uh, I think that's awesome. Uh, so I'd give you that one. I would say, yeah. If you ever watch Witchblade, I would say check it out. Don't expect Sarah Pizzini, because that's not who we get. But I would say check it out anyway. Uh, there's another one coming out for an image called Sleepless, and it's uh, our friend Layla Del Duca. Mm. She, her next project. 
uh, which, surprisingly enough, uh, I got to read that one this week also. Uh, it is the same thing. It's coming out, I think, in December. And it's it's a fairy tale story. So if you're also you've got friends just like with the uh, Runaways, if you got friends that are like, oh, I don't like superhero comics, but they're okay with like fairy tale stories. That's basically what it is. It's a fairy tale story. It might be even something that people who are you know missing fables might want to take a look at. Yeah, yeah I would say so. I mean, the art just it's Layla, so it's great. She uh, is an artist that did Shudder. Shudder a lot more crazy, just because it's it's crazy. Yeah, awesome, but crazy. I agree. Uh, but yeah, as far as story, Sleepless, we get some interesting night characters and like their properties and how they exist in the world is really kind of cool. How exactly they work, I, I'm assuming will get explained to you as the series goes on, because the nights are the sleepless and apparently they just don't sleep. Which is crazy, at least I think. But yeah, book-wise, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, we're dealing with the main character who's the daughter of the previous king, and now the new king has taken over after the previous king died. So, where we start in the book is in progress, but that's normal for most books. Anyhow, if you like fairy tale stories, I'd say that would be a good one. So, Sleepless from uh, Image Comics uh, would be a good one to watch for. Witchblade, uh, The Hardcore Legacy, uh, Port Port of Earth I like a lot. It's sci-fi for the sake of sci-fi, so I think that's great. I definitely dig it. One other book I suggest, which I think at this point, no, it's already wrapped up at this point. All the all three issues came out. It's from a much smaller company uh, called Mother Russia. Uh, I assume at some point we'll see trades for it. Um, I, fun book. Uh, I, I dug it. It's espionage and like surviving in the war. So I think it's awesome. The company puts it out puts it out newsprint style pages inside. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. So it's a, so it's a different feel of a book. But yeah, I, I dig it. Um, it's also a little bit cheaper. Yeah, that's true. They're like book. like dollar ninety nine issues. So yeah, I I would I would check for that. I mean, I'm, I, at this point, I'm pretty sure Diamond still has it. So check here with your retailer and see if they can get it. Yeah. But uh, those those would be what I give you this week as far as books. Of course, Black Science, Deadly Class. Um, I'd say if you get a chance to check out Happy, check out Happy. It's getting ready to have a getting ready to have a series release also on Sci-Fi, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. Uh, that thing's shaping up to be awesome. So a whole lot of indie comic stuff showing up in different channels and in the world. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check out uh, Westworld, that's supposed to be coming out the disc pretty soon. The uh, HBO series, yeah. uh, it's freaking awesome. So if, you right if you haven't watched Stranger Things two or Stranger Things one. Where have you been? Because it's freaking amazing. Stranger Things 1 DVDs are out. They are. Yeah. Um, was say Target got a exclusive style box. That's like a VHS style box. It's not exactly the size of VHS, because I've seen them. So they're slightly larger, but it's the style. So that's cool. You can get other places too, but if you, it's an 80s thing. So, you know, if that's your bag. I would say definitely check it out because it's it's freaking awesome. Yeah, but Stranger Things is amazing. Heck yeah, it's great. Like if, I mean, just for young actors that you know these guys all have a pretty. I would say they have a pretty bright future. They're pretty impressive. Heck so, yeah, right. But I mean, aside from just that, oh, they got good young actors. Like the story is incredible. So, oh yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so I guess that that's enough ums with the ums, Steve. Mm. I try to add those out sometimes, but God, that's a lot of work. Anyhow, uh, anything else, Rob? 
Uh, I, I don't think so. I always feel bad whenever you say, like, oh, what books to watch for? Because I'm like, hey, Batman, and I feel like I can't say that. But No, you can say Batman. And, uh, the, Batman Metal's been freaking great. It's the, crazy as hell. Yeah, but it's great. There's just a lot of... There's a lot of titles that are not very sophisticated titles that I'm just really happy with, so... Well, regular Batman itself right now, it's Joelle Jones doing the art. Like, issue 32, 33, I think she's doing a whole run, so 35 and 36. Joelle's... She's... She's badass. Yeah. Like, art-wise, she altered Helheim, uh, and she has her own book come out through, uh, through Dark Horse called Lady Killer. Uh, beautiful art. Amazing. Lady Killer's an awesome story, too. But, like, yeah, if you, if you see Batman 30, this current Catwoman story, 32, 33, I want to say 34 and 35 are her also. Covers and interior, and granted, they're any covers of somebody else, but the interior, if you like the way that looks at all, check out Lady Killer, because it's the same chick doing the art, and that when she writes. So, yeah, she's great. Can't say enough good things about that lady. Yeah, she's, she's super awesome. She's super impressive. Well, art-wise and person-wise, I mean, over the few years the shows I've seen her at, talked to her at, like, we literally were at a booth next to each other in Denver for a better part of four days uh, back in 2016, I think. Is that the, the art the year we had the two booths, the store booth and the art booth? I'm pretty sure it was 2016. Anyway, Google what year she was there. But yeah, my booth was right next to her booth, and so got to talk to the lady throughout the weekend. And she is awesome. It's really, really cool. Anyhow, uh, but yeah, the Batman right now, man, love it. Yeah. Freaking awesome. There's a lot of good ones. There really is. So so maybe I'll have to start throwing more of those in there. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, but yeah, that's, a, that's it for me. I don't I don't really have a whole lot more. So Dickie? Dickie? Hinchin? Transform? <laughs> no. Dickie's different thing. Yeah, yeah, Dickie's yeah. the villains. He's the villains. Dickie? <laughs> Totally different show. Space <laughs> 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 <laughs>